It is time now for the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. The podcast that is unique, just like all the other ones you listen to. The only thing that truly sets this one apart is your host has an ADHD-driven mind, followed by a splash of bipolar tendencies. Now sit back, relax, put on your safety harness, and let's get this party started. This is William Duvall of Allison Sanders, and you're listening to the Josh Belcher Experience. It's Liv Noel. We have an exciting day tomorrow. It's our iTunes digital EP release going on at the legendary Kimbrough's Pig and Parlor in downtown Franklin from 2 to 5. Live performances, cake, and giveaways for those who download. And for those of you who can't make it to the show, help us chart on iTunes by downloading our EP tomorrow, Sunday, October 13th, with a special price of $2.99. We are excited to take you all on this journey. We're Liv Noel. very special guest on this birthday edition of the Josh Belcher Experience podcast, the lead vocalist of one of my favorite rock bands of all time, William Duvall of Alice in Chains, phoned into the podcast to discuss his first ever solo album, One Alone. He'll be doing a series of acoustic, intimate performances. One lands right in Nashville, Tennessee, October 31st, Halloween, at the City Winery. We'll be discussing that and all of his new songs right here on the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. William Duvall, how are you doing today? Oh, fine, thanks. Yeah, good. Great. Hey, it's a it's a thrill to get to talk to you. It's the biggest uh, treat for my birthday today. Uh, Thank you for taking the time. Right on, man. Happy birthday. Thanks. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about uh, One Alone. Uh, it's a it's a great album. I really dig it. Uh, my favorite songs are around the meat of it with uh, Chains Around My Heart and Keep Driving Me Away. Uh, could you discuss it a little bit for us? Uh, those two songs? No, just the album oh, in general. Album. I was just saying th- those two are my personal oh. favorite, but I really enjoyed the whole album. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um my first solo album, I, you know, it's it, it's, uh, it's a huge thing for me, um, and um, you know, I feel like uh, if ever there was a a, a time to um, make an album under my own name, it's now, and yeah. if ever there was an album to uh, to begin a new chapter like that, it would be this one, because mm-hmm. you can't get much more solo than this album. Absolutely, all things sort of, all things sort of line up, and uh, I think it's worked out very well. Yeah, I I really like the approach, like just uh, just you and and kind of the guitar, which makes it more personal, you know. And speaking on that point, you have this uh, kind of intimate tour coming up. I know you're coming to Nashville uh, for a Halloween show. Um, How do you feel about performing in intimate settings, kind of like you and your guitar versus the whole band, like a with a, you know, magnitude of crowds, more like, you know, kind of intimate settings. Well, I'm hoping it's going to be really uh, rewarding in its own right. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's obviously very different. And in some respects, maybe a little nerve wracking, but I think, uh, I think it should be cool. 
I'm actually looking forward to it. <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. We're, we're excited to have you here too. Uh, the City Winery is a really nice place, and I think uh, you know your vocal constraints will sound really good in there. And, and we're definitely uh, here in Middle Tennessee looking forward to your performance. Right on, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, other than the songs on the album, uh, um, what do you plan to play live? Are you going to play these with a mixture of Alice and Change tunes, or are you just going to do the album front to back? This this show is focusing on the one album. Planning on Alice and Change. It's not really, uh, you know, that's just not really what what it's about. It's um, it's a whole other thing. So yeah, um, you know, yeah, I I don't. I don't think people uh, should uh, come expecting to hear, uh, you know, Alice in Chains songs. Um, you know that. Uh, yeah, they don't. I mean, I. Yeah, I. I really. That, I think. I. You know, there might be. I was thinking about maybe um, um, fooling around with uh, an acoustic arrangement of Never Fade, uh-huh. uh, which was a recent Alice. Single uh, that Cantrell and I wrote, but um, but I'm you know I'm not sure about that yet, and uh, that would probably be the extent of it, honestly. If I yeah. did mess around with Alice too. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, <clears throat> listening to One Alone, you know, it's it's a totally different thing, which is you know you 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 did justice to you know a solo performance because it's truly you. Um, I was just wondering, like, if someone were to expect that kind of like, uh, would they be getting it? Like, the album itself is is perfect in its own right. I just, uh, you know, just a question, just kind of curious more than anything. I'm, I'm not sure if you're asking, you're asking what can people expect from the show. No, I was just saying, I was, I was, I was just wondering. I was just curious more than anything if you were going to play any 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 Alice Chain songs right there. It's just kind of curious more than anything. Um. But, you know, everybody I've talked to, they, they're raving about the One Alone album. Um, it's very personal and direct. Do you feel like uh, people are, are responding to it very well as far as places you've played already? I haven't well, yet. I mean, the tour starts uh, October 21st okay. uh, in Atlanta. and um, But uh, in terms of response to the album so far, it's been tremendous. Um Online and and the view the reviews have been uh, incredible. Um, you know, people are are people have started to receive their pre-ordered albums um, around the world, and and uh, so I you know I see all these comments online and people are posting pictures of themselves, with, you know, posing with the vinyl LP and that sort of thing. So that's incredible. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, Unbelievably gratifying, and you know, and I, I hope that uh, people come out to the show for the same way. And I look forward to people coming out to the shows who have the one and only album already, and who will, you know, be familiar with with these songs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I didn't know, like, um, if you if you had played any, like, here, you know, while you're kind of like, I saw some things on your Twitter and everything. Like over over in Europe and everything, I didn't know if you had played some for those guys or not. The 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 European tour just got announced yesterday, so. Oh right on. Probably, yeah, it was all it was all written in a different language. I couldn't really read it, but I just I thought it was cool. But hey, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's great that they're gonna have you over there as well. Um, 
some of the songs I saw um, kind of were like previously recorded by uh, Comes With The Fall. Um, do these do these versions or do they convey a different meaning than uh, than the ones you recorded with them uh, previously? Uh, I think that uh, people are getting a different experience based on again the comments that I'm seeing and reading mm-hmm. uh, online. People who are familiar with the Comes With The Fall versions of those songs um, are really really enjoying hearing these down acoustic version uh, versions of these songs um, and uh, you know some people are saying that you know they, they surpass the original version recorded by the band and that sort of thing wow. um, yeah so I mean I, I think people are getting a, a different a different experience from listening to them perform this way and um, and uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really digging that. I mean, part of part of the reason why I chose those, chose to record those songs is, uh, in this way is because I I thought that they would present well, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, as as solo acoustic renditions, um, and it kind of gets it kind of gets them back to their origin point because those those songs started out with just myself and a guitar, and that would be the way I would play them to the band before we recorded them. So uh, it's just getting them back to, uh, yeah, to the way they, the way they started. Yeah, that's really cool. And plus you uh, get to hear a lot of your guitar skills as well, which is in your own right, you're a phenomenal guitar player um, and you've been at it a while and it's just really refreshing to hear you sing and kind of accompany yourself there. Uh, you strip down uh, versus, you know, with, with a full band. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. It's hard to believe, but for the first time in my life, as a native Middle Tennessean, went to the Nashville Film Festival. I got to see what that was all about. Saw the world premiere of the documentary What's Eating Ralphie May about the life of the late, great, beloved stand-up comedian Ralphie May. It was supposed to be a documentary about uh, his weight loss surgery and his uh, return to form uh, in weight loss uh, in that respect, but really turned out to be the final years of his life. I showed him struggle with mental and physical illness and inner demons and the uh, tragedy he left in his wake with his loved ones, friends, and family. And uh, my hat's off to his wife, Lana Turner, and her children for being brave enough to share this with us because you never truly know uh, what kind of mental illness or inner demons uh, people like Ralphie may have because uh, the only thing I ever saw was like stand-up, uh, his uh, televised specials, his specials on Netflix, interviews and things I saw on TV. Uh, you never know what's truly going on with a person and thank you for her for being brave enough to share that. Um, my self-reflection I left with was, uh, you know, mental illness can affect anybody, uh, not just average Joes like me, but people I've really admired, like Ralphie May, um, and also that uh, my words and actions can truly affect people that I love, uh, my family, and my friends. So uh, be sure and check that out. Right now it's making its way through the film festival circuits, uh, but should be on a streaming agent here really, really soon. So I highly recommend it. Be sure to check it out.
This week's comedian on the Josh Belcher Experience podcast is a friend I actually made on Twitter, uh, comedian Peter Moran. He's hilarious, and for an ADHD-driven mind such as myself, he's the perfect stand-up because he delivers one punch right after the other. Bam, bam, bam. He's like a piece of uh, dynamite, just ready to pop at any moment. So check him out on his social medias. Uh, he called me in between sets there in Manhattan uh, to be on the podcast. Really funny guy, and he posts the funniest stuff you can ever see on Twitter. Recently got 4,000 followers on there, and uh, you can go ahead and join that too if you want to. Great guy, uh, great interview. We're glad to have him uh, this week on the Josh Belcher Experience podcast. All right, on the podcast, calling somewhere from New York, we've got Peter Moran, comedian extraordinaire. What's up, my friend? How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Calling from East Village, Manhattan, the best part of New York, for those wondering. <laughs> That's well, we're we're here in Nashville, Tennessee. Have you ever been to this part of the of the Tennessee or the South? Have you ever performed here? I have not. Uh, they have you guys have like the endless comedy or like the comedy marathon or something out there. I think like a week long. Is that right? Yeah, well, it was the Wild West, uh, the Vince Vaughn comedy show, and then it kind of turned into just a comedy festival. Doesn't really okay. have an official name, but yes, um, there's a group called NationalStandUp.com or NSUP, and every okay. year, yeah, every year, yeah, they 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 outdo themselves by like an hour or so, where it's just straight comedy for like yeah, a week straight. That is just unbelievable. It's someone that is used to doing five to ten minutes. That is just a boggling <laughs> figure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they let, you know, I think like hundreds of comedians, even like the ones that, that are performing, like uh, Jim Gaffigan, I think, has done it. Um, you know, they even participate in it. It's just like a, if you can at least hold your own, like you said, for five to ten or longer, they usually invite you to come up there within reason. So At, at some point, at some point, they just need people. <laughs> yeah, at some point, they're like, if you can tell a knock-knock joke, just, just get up here. Everybody else is exhausted. Yeah, seriously. But uh, anyway, probably three people there. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually know a comedian, a local uh, named Brandon Skelton, and he said he um, he kept time for like one of the overnight. And yeah. He said, said it was just basically brutal. He said, you know, there might be a person coming in and out, and people just kind of talking to themselves. So <laughs> that's well, that's what I figured. <laughs> but anyway, b- before we started recording, I was telling you, you know, for an ADHD guy like myself, um, you are perfect with your delivery as far as like one joke right after the other, kind of kind of uh, flawless, if you will. And then you yeah. told me your your mission statement. If you could reshare that for everybody, I just thought that was great. Yeah. So the way I describe myself is just a fast-paced comic with quick payoffs for the ADD generation. That's yeah. That's I mean, you you learn it at the open mics, right? That everyone is bored. They're a comic. They're waiting their turn. And if you want to keep their attention, you have to be so quick and so fast. And that's you start out bombing because you're so long-winded, and then tighten, tighten, tighten. And I think if anything, that's my specialty. Yeah, and I like it because I've never seen anybody quite like that. I mean, I've heard people deliver jokes. But the way you've got it, it's kind of like you're very clear with your delivery, and you can hear what you're saying, but it's like a freight train of words, and one right after the other, you just keep laughing without a break. Like your mind grabs it, and then you're ready for the next one. So you've got that, my friend. I like it. I appreciate that. I try to be like Eminem when he's uh, he's out there just sitting. <laughs> yeah, but it all it all sounds good, though, when it comes out. It's like it's quick and to the point. 
Um, uh, listening to the one set that uh, you uh, you shared with me there that was on YouTube, you've lived in L.A. and New York, is that correct? Yeah, so I spent I spent my first year out of college in L.A., pretty much a year on the dot, and then two years here in New York. Mm-hmm. So what what's uh, uh, from a guy that's just a fan? What is the difference in the communities of stand up like in an LA atmosphere versus a New York atmosphere? Well, one of the things that we just talked about is is the speed of it for sure. It's uh-huh. they so so JFL is a just for last festival. That's like probably the biggest comedy festival that you know. I'm I'm not I haven't been in and, and hope to someday get to. But the biggest thing when you watch those guys is. Everyone from New York just comes in, and if they're at that level, just blasts off the jokes. It's just rapid-fire machine gun jokes, how many laughs per minute. Because it's literally down to a science. It's like, can I get six, seven laughs per minute? And then people from L.A., and, of course, this is a generalization. It's like, I've got this story. I've got this cute act-out thing I'm doing. It's funny because I'm an actor first and whatever else. Yeah. And, uh-huh. like, I'm entertaining, but in New York, the writing is just so tight. For for those who succeed. I mean, there are a lot of people that fail to get it, but anyone kind of getting anywhere in the New York scene is just so many jokes. Because you also – I do three, four mics in a night on a good day, and in L.A., it's like you do the one thing because you drive everywhere, and it's such a hassle, and it's so difficult. That's why New York is the place to be. Right on. Yes, yeah, so you said you can, yeah, you can do multiples at night, like, versus, like, here in Nashville, we have uh, – we just got Third Coast Comedy, but the main staple is like a Zany's Comedy Club. So, yeah, really, yeah. there's not a lot of choices in a place like this. So I, I totally see it's kind of like the more the better, like like a musician trying to write songs or something, you know? So true. Yeah. It's, well, as Nashville is for musicians, I would say New York is, is for comedians, right? It's it's the opportunity. and the right, Because you can have equivalent to three times the years of experience in just two years here. Um, in New York, I there I did a set just um, before I got on this call. Five minutes or like five second walk from my house, got up, did my set, came back here. I'm on this call with you, and now I'm going to go to another mic right after. It's just very accessible. That's that dude. That's so cool. That's like the dream. If you're going to do it, you got to come to New York. Um, I agree. Uh, another thing, ADD kicking in. Congrats, uh, four thousand <laughs> Twitter, uh, four thousand Twitter followers, and I follow you. And dude, every day you have something funny to read. How do you? I mean. How do you think of that stuff? Is it just on the spot, or do you have just a book of funny things to put on there? I don't know. I think I think once I started really trying to to tweet a lot, it it starts to come to me. A lot of times I'll just be scrolling through Twitter and someone's talking about Halloween. I'm like, oh, here's a funny thing about Halloween, and then I'll tweet that. So I I'll read through, see what people are talking about to find inspiration, and try to put my funny spin on it. And then a lot of it is just I have this thought, and I'm in such a joke writing mentality that yeah. I know like how to how to put a punchline on Twitter is different than it is on stage and you kind of uh, make that work but again with like kind of the speed of the joke it applies well to Twitter because you just have these one lines you have these quick hitters uh, but yeah. I I love Twitter I'm such a social media nerd I'm so into it, it yeah I, I'm an older guy obviously and I kind of like on the back end of it but I mean I, I've had a Twitter for about a couple of months and uh, you know okay. I, I I've gravitated to it but I totally like I said, I really appreciate what you're doing. And that one you have pinned at the top is like the best joke I've heard in forever. The one about the guy from Amazon. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. yeah. Will you will you just say it for everybody that hadn't heard it? Because that is this. You hit the nail on the head. That is like the most yeah. perfect one-liner ever. I said, uh, 
crazy how Jeff Bezos could have ended world hunger, but instead he chose to cheat on his wife. Yeah. It costs even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, that is such the truth. Well, hey, anyway, um, uh, I won't keep you too long since you got another set. We're going to hear more from you. I'm going to try to get you to Nashville uh, to come to one of the places. Um, what are all your social yeah. medias if people want to check you out? We want to add more to your Twitter. It's I'm Peter Moran. I am Peter, M-O-R-A-N. If you can't spell the Peter part, you don't need to follow me. It's fine, but <laughs> it's, it's I am Peter Moran, M-O-R-A-N. And that's uh, that's Twitter and Instagram. And anything I'm doing, it'll be it'll be on either one of those. So, that's awesome. yeah, check it out. I'm all about it. Special musical guest this week on the Josh Belcher Experience podcast – from the country crunk rap group whosoever south mike mitchell drops in to talk about their new album their song georgia which is tearing up everything from spotify to youtube and to talk about how they have a passion for serving the lord through their amazing music right here next whosoever south which had a new album come out hey thanks for talking with us today Thank you, thank you. We're um, yeah, folks usually folks folks down here in Georgia and the uh, southeast usually call us country crunk. Country crunk, even better. I, I I never know what quite the label. I know it sounds good, so country crunk's what we'll call it. <laughs> so uh, this this album released October third. Uh, Backroads and small towns. Tell us a little bit about it, please. Yes, sir. Backroads and uh, small towns is uh the album re- released out right now. Um. Uh-huh. It's mostly about um, how we live, how, I mean, how we go from day to day down here in the south. Um, we all grew up here in uh, southeast Georgia in the country. Um, it's pretty much all we, pretty much, country is pretty much all we know. I mean, farming and going fishing and enjoying life and working hard. Yeah, I hear you. And it, it conveys, like I said, I got introduced to you and, and got to hear that Georgia song. And like I said, you guys are our neighbors here in Tennessee and, Y'all just do it justice. I mean, it's basically just the same kind of uh, area and everything, the way of living, just uh, you know, a couple few miles away. But a really great uh, album from what I've listened to. You guys did a really good project. You should be very proud of it. Thank you so much. Yeah, and now um, one thing I thought: Are you guys touring with this album? We're not touring yet. We're just um, we just released the album, and we're just kind of just waiting to see where God's gonna um, send us. I hear you. Amen to that. That's awesome. And and another thing I saw, which I thought was cool, that uh, what KJ five two joined in a little bit on this. Yes, he is. He had it. He KJ had a lot of influence on this album. Um, he has um worked with us before on um our another album also. Um, oh, yeah. KJ is a really good friend of ours, and we were so excited that he could join us on this album and do the song. That's really cool. Now, um, I, I, the name Whosoever uh, South, now, I've seen Whosoever before. It's kind of like a movement. Uh, are you guys a part of that movement? Because it seems like I've seen that name in a lot of places when it comes to, like, uh, uh, giving the glory to God and everything of that nature. Yes, sir. We, that's that's where we um pretty much set our foundation, at Whosoever believe in, you know, in God. And that's that's been our I'll um, start right out the gate. That's, I mean, that's where our heart is, you know, sharing the gospel with everyone that will hear it and just yeah. being service to the Lord and being that's faithful true. to it. That is really, really awesome, and it's very inspiring. Um, so now you're talking about your group. Now your origin, uh, how did you guys get together and, and decide this is what you guys wanted to do as far as, like, uh, you know, being a group and everything? I know there's three of you, right? 
Yes, sir. It's uh, Sarah and Rowdy and, and myself. Um, we started um, back in the late, um, like the kind of the end of the 90s. Um, um, we were into secular music at first. We did a lot of um, rap. Rowdy was um, doing um, music with um, people like um, Jay-Z, um, Kanye West, Sierra, opening acts for them. And oh, wow. I... I got to come in later and do a few songs on the album with them. And, um, you know, things didn't work out the way we, we you know, we had planned. And um, people um, in the industry died, and um, we, Rowdy and them, stopped doing music for a while. And um, yep. I went on my separate ways, um, just kind of working hard and going to church and um, had Rowdy one day come and knock on my door. And um, it was um one Sunday morning, he was like, you know, um, I'm going to church. Come on, Mike, you want to go to church? And it, it just totally shocked me, you know, because yeah. I've always been a believer. And to see Rowdy and Sarah's heart had, like, totally changed. I mean, oh, I mean, you could see the fire burning their hearts for the Lord, and it just it totally amazed me. And when he told me he wanted to do music um, and do it for the Lord and not for the world, I was on board immediately. It was just I, I knew that's what God wanted us all to be, and we started making music. And it's a good thing you did. It, it, it's a, it's amazing how how God can really get into your soul and work that way because you know he, you're right. He wanted you guys to be right where you're at because together all blended, y'all just harmonize and everything. It's just it's an awesome flow, of catchy tunes, and, and nothing but big things in your future. And and I really enjoy listening to it. And uh, it's just it's awesome that it's good music and that it also gives praise and it has meaning behind it. And everybody can enjoy it, not just adults, like you said, with secular. Yes, sir. It's it's um it's been a a real long journey with the music. We 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 enjoy doing it so much, and we just we want to reach out to more, you know, the people that are lost, and let them know that you know the Lord loves you. You're gonna go through some struggles. You're gonna go through some hard times, but if you put your heart and your faith in the Lord, He will see you through to the end, no matter what it is. Yeah, without without a doubt. Um, I was going to ask you about this this album. Uh, is it available digitally, or can you get physical copies of it? Or if somebody wanted to check it out or, or get one, where, where are they available at? They're available at whosoever.com. They're also on iTunes, and um, you can also get them off of our um, the Whosoever South website. That's very cool. Awesome. Well, my man, hey, thank you so much for speaking with me a little bit, and we uh, hope to get you out here maybe in Middle Tennessee sometime and, and, and just enjoy enjoy performance and uh get everybody acquainted with you down here you know our neighbors there just just across the way there <laughs> thank you so much when thank y'all for playing our music and and we enjoy spreading the gospel We're looking forward to seeing all y'all this week's podcast we're back in the full swing of the yeti's burg address special guest this week was matthew delf he is the head honcho and top researcher for Mecro. He's one of the people that's actually been chased out of the woods by Sasquatch. He talked about that with us, speaking engagements, and the book he co-authored. Coming up next, right here on the Yettysburg Address. Got Matthew Delf here with me. I'm the top researcher for Mecro. Uh, thank you for the time for speaking with us today on the podcast, sir. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Mecro and, and what that entails? Uh, well, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, Mountain Empire 
cryptid research organization, MECRO, is just basically a group of uh, a place where people can contact us or we share a little bit of info of different cryptids, anything unusual from Bigfoot to aliens to different cryptids such as Mothman or Dogman and so forth. And wow. I've been, I, it started out, there was a lot more core members, but through the past couple of years, they've lost disinterest or whatever, and they just kind of dropped out of the group. And now I'm the solo leader, co-founder, whatever you want to call it, that's leading the group now still. I kept it going. President and CEO, you're you're the whole package there. <laughs> yeah, the whole package now. Yeah, that's cool. Well, uh, one thing, and like I said, thank you for talking to me. I'm glad to have you. But you're one of the few people, the only person I know, you've been chased by Bigfoot. That must have been terrifying. Could you talk about that story with us? Yeah, uh, I grew up. It's actually uh, up in northern Indiana, and uh-huh. we grew up on the outskirts of the city, Lafayette, Indiana, and it was out in the country, and we grew up, it was around, a, there, there's a major river, the Wabash River and Canoe River, and they meet right there where we lived at, and it's called River Junction. Well, grew up my whole life hunting, fishing, my dad used to trap, so I grew up in the outdoors. Where we lived at at the time was on this dead-end gravel road, and Sugar Creek ran right behind our house, and it was isolated. There were hundreds of acres of woods, and all that Sugar Creek ran into the Wabash and the Tippecanoe River right there at River Junction. And give you an idea of the whole area there, a doctor owned several hundred acres around our property. We had a few acres inside that property, but he owned hundreds of acres inside that or around our place. Well. The whole area I used to hunt, uh, used to fish out there, grew up out there. Had no clue Bigfoot even existed. If it did, it was something, you know, out in Washington or, you know, it it wasn't there in your typical Indiana setting, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, growing up through the years, we'd hear different things, screams, smells and never thought of Bigfoot just thought it was something you know something out in the woods but didn't know for sure yeah and well I used to deer hunt a lot out there and I was after this one buck I mean we've got sheds these sheds are like humongous and just to go to show you know people don't hunt out there nobody's allowed to hunt out there or anything these deer sheds are like 21 points that we've got and I was after that buck forever oh wow Uh, and so I never could, never could get him. But as the years went on, it was, I used to, my parents had moved down south. So I was 21 at the time. Well, as my parents moved down south, I had, I would still go back to my old home place because I still lived up there at the time. And I would still go deer hunting. Uh-huh. Well, like I said, we got used to the smells and the screams, but never knew what it was. Yeah. Well, it was the weekend right before Thanksgiving, and I had set out that afternoon, drove out to the old home place, and 
this area is really sick, really, really sick. Well, I had went out there about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 2 to 2.30, somewhere around there, and there, I used to hunt on this deer trail, and the deer trail would come through this real thick brush and cedars, and it, I was up on a plateau, and it'd lead down, that deer trail would go down to the little marsh there into where the creek was. And it was heavily used. I mean, deer tracks all over it. So I would sit at the edge of it. Now, given this area, it's so thick, something has got to be right up on you for you to see it. So I would sit at an edge where as soon as they come out of that thicket, then boom, I could see them and I could get a shot off. Yeah. Okay, well, it was, like I said, it was about 2.30 afternoon. Went all evening. Didn't hear nothing. Didn't see nothing. So... It started getting dusk, and the sun started setting. So I started packing up my stuff, getting ready to go home. Well, as I was gathering my stuff up, that smell, this nasty smell had come through the air. Mm -hmm. I smelled it before, and I thought, you know, whatever that animal is, it's around. Well, the smell, if you describe it, kind of reminds you of it's it's a nasty smell. It's kind of like a rotten hay or uh, just like a real nasty, mildew, rotten smell. Yeah. And so I gathered my stuff up, and I smelled that smell. And I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. I smelled, and I was like, well, whatever that, you know, that smells in the air again. Well, I hear a couple sticks break. I'm like, ooh, wait, you know, maybe my luck hasn't changed. You know, maybe that deer is going to be, maybe I'll get a shot at my big buck coming through here. Yeah. Well, it got a little bit more aggressive, and I could hear more sticks breaking, and I could see these trees shaking. And I was like, okay, I see this brush moving around. It's getting louder. I'm like, maybe a buck is chasing this doe, so definitely, you know, the rut is in. I'm going to get a shot at this buck. Well, it gets really aggressive. I mean, these trees you can hear, like, limbs breaking. First thing I thought was, awesome two bucks are fighting over this doe you know i want to get to pick and choose which one i want yeah and well nothing come out of there i could see that it wasn't on the deer trail it was off from the deer trail so as it got even more aggressive i was like what in the world then it then it let out that scream and that scream it's not like the whoops on finding bigfoot or anything this scream is a high-pitched scream with a deep growl in it oh wow and our lungs are not capable of and our vocal cords aren't capable of making this sound mm-hmm. and i mean it cuts right through you and it let out that scream and i was like oh man it's whatever that animal was you know and as it got more and more aggressive it started coming closer and I didn't. I don't know if it was throwing stuff behind me or what, but I kept hearing stuff like fall behind me, and I kept turning around and looked down in that plateau down there. I don't know if it just like maybe throwing acorns or something down in there, but looked around there wasn't nothing there. It sounded like stuff was falling behind me, and so I'm trying to get a visual on what this thing is. And as it got closer, you could see like I mean. These trees were really shaking and kept getting more and more aggressive, and they started snapping. And then as I'm trying to stare and look in there to see what this thing is, still don't have a visual yet, 
but as it got within within 30 yards of me, there's a little clearing, and it went from one group of like cedar trees, and then there's some saplings in the mix right there in that little field, and some tall grass is when I seen it, and it went. It was probably about 15 foot low clearance, and I seen it go across through the clearing, and it was probably in between six, seven foot tall. Wow. Had dark hair. I couldn't see a good thing on the face, but it reminded you of an orangutan. Oh, really? And yeah, and it had, you could tell the, it had, it was bipedal, uh, and it kind of, and it glided like through that area there as it moved. It was so swift and smooth. Kind of reminds you of like if you ever watched like a paper or plastic bag get blown across a parking lot. Yeah, okay. it, kinda, it yeah, it just kind of like glided right through that little clearing, and I was kinda shocked. Like, like like agile for its size. Yes, very very agile. Uh-huh. And I was like, what in the world? And, you know, I was confused. Sure. I didn't know what I was trying to look at, and I could tell the hair hair on it. You know, it was it was long, but it was getting darker. It was a dark color. Don't know if it's black or a dark brown. But as it moved through that clearing, I was confused and scared you know oh i bet yeah and and i'm trying to come around like what in the world is that you know and i've got my gun up and i'm looking and as it got over to the behind these other trees as it's coming towards me even closer i seen i seen a movement from the shoulder and the arm and i could still i still remember like yesterday the hair on it and it was hanging down kind of straggly wasn't well groomed and I seen movement with the arm, and then this stick is about three foot long, and I would say it's probably about the round size of the end of a baseball bat. End over end, come flying by my head with some force. I mean, if it would have hit me, it would have, it definitely would have hurt. And it let out that scream with that growl. And then that's when I was like, "Forget this, I'm out of here." You know, this monster, whatever in world it is, had no clue. It didn't want me there. And so I took off running. And then I got to the edge of this plateau where I had to start going down to cross that creek. And I turned back around to see if it if it was chasing. And I didn't see it because I didn't, you know, am I going to have to shoot this thing? Am I going to have to, you know, didn't know if it's trying to kill me or what. And I turned around to see if it was behind me. And it wasn't behind me, but it let up that scream, that growl. So it was watching me. And I, boom, as soon as I let up that screaming growl, I was gone. <laughs> I was out yeah. of there. And that right there is what got it all started for me. I hear you. That's, uh, that must have been a traumatizing event, especially if it's something you never wrapped your mind around before. Exactly. Yeah. And and one thing I've heard occurrence, and not just you said it, uh, but uh, the smell. Everybody says it has a distinct smell, like like how a skunk has a smell or Certain things have a smell. It said one thing you notice about them is like a distinct odor. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine something screaming at me like that, too. I'd be running for dear life. And I, uh, just, I didn't know what it was. I mean, I was, you know, I mean, I'd never been out of the woods, ran out of the woods by anything before. Yeah. It's put a chip on my shoulder. Sure. Um, now, now, and I know we, we might, you know, we brought it up before, but, but you never thought about these kind of things before ever being out in the woods in northern Indiana prior to this? No. And see, and I look back, and I wish I would have known now because 
I'd seen huge grass beds, like four or five grass beds smashed down with that nasty odor in it. Uh-huh. I'd seen hair along barbed wire fences, the top of a barbed wire fence that was long. I could have had hair. I mean, all the signs were there. But when you are brought up that Bigfoot doesn't exist, your mind don't even look for it. Yeah, it no, don't wrap I around. I'm, I was always looking for deer signs. I'd see other stuff, but didn't think nothing about it. I'm like, that's not deer, you know, this is... And you don't wrap your mind around stuff like that. Yeah, because if you're, you know, like you said, you're out in the woods looking looking for deer or, or you know, bucks and stuff, you're not thinking Bigfoot might be out here. I mean, you, you, at least you hope it's not going to be out there, but yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's um, always in, been in fairy tales, you know? Yeah. Uh, have you had any other encounters since, like going out in the woods and things like that, or was that your only one? Well, that right there I've had since I've been doing this for 20-plus years now. Uh-huh. And I've had different different encounters. Uh, I've had different things go on. Uh, you know, through the years as you go through it, you like with the whole UFO alien stuff, you start seeing a bigger picture. Uh, yeah. I've... Uh, that's the only time I've seen one in the daylight. Now, I've caught them on clear, uh, you know, thermal imaging. I've seen, you know, their body. I've, I've been, lots and lots of stories. I mean, uh, just here recently, uh, a couple months ago, I was up in an undisclosed location up in northern Georgia. And uh, this area has been well known for some sightings. And uh, me and a couple of BFRO members went out and we're talking miles away from the main road. You got to take four-wheel drive to get up to this area and stuff. And uh, about two o'clock in the morning and they uh, were up there and we don't hear nothing, see nothing. We go off on these trails and we come back as we're coming back to the vehicle. Uh, their four-wheel drive parked there. Uh, we, I tell her by stopping, I'm like, listen, there was no crickets or anything, no wildlife sounds at all. And, uh, there's, you know, you don't hear anything. And I'm like, okay. They're like, I'm like, you guys hear that? And they're like, no, we don't hear anything. I said, exactly. The woods got quiet. And so one of the guys do a little knock sound and we get an immediate response back. And it's like an aggressive, like, slamming of rocks up in this holler. And we're like, oh, wow, you know. And uh, so uh, we kind of get excited, you know, our adrenaline's going. Uh, Me and this girl, uh, we're walking along, and we can hear something walking on the bank right behind us. And as we're walking right along that bank there, we hear little footsteps, but it's something small. It's nothing big. It's something small. It'd walk when we walk, and it'd stop when we'd stop. But we kept trying to get a response from the, the big, loud knock from up in the up in the ridge, and couldn't get a response back. So I kind of get a little heated and arrogant, and I take this rock and I chuck it off into this ravine and yell at it, you know, some choice words, <laughs> and. <laughs> And as soon as I do that, that little thing that was behind us chucks a rock right out immediately, right after I do that, right down towards us. Uh-huh. So 
and then you can hear something take off up into the woods, and it was kind of neat. I tried to see if I could see what it was. It took off up in there, but I didn't get to see it. You could hear something run, take off up in through there, and then that next day, in the daylight, I went up and investigated some of the area and found some great big old 17-inch tracks, uh, made like a, what they call a, what I call a big boy trail, like tree breaks about eight foot up in the air on these green trees, you know, that if you, they usually get hit with something, they're just going to pop right back up or whatever. But these have been broke way up high and they've been ripped. So something with some strength had grabbed it. If you break one of those branches, you usually got to peel it because of the bark where it's green and they were peeled up. When peeled down, they snapped and pulled up. So something very big had went through there. You could tell and use it pretty often. Uh, yeah. That's probably about my most recent encounter with these things. But I've got a couple expeditions I'm going on here. Actually, I've got two of them here in a month. So That's cool. Yeah, that's one thing I want to ask you. Are you doing uh, any speaking engagements here coming up? Uh, yeah, I've got the uh, Georgia Conference in, I think it's two weeks. I've got uh, at the Georgia Conference. uh is asked to be a guest speaker for BFRO expedition. That's cool. Uh, the week after that, and then got the Tennessee conference after that. Yeah. And then I've then I've got a private at the first of November. I've got a private expedition. We're going 41 miles into the deep to do some uh, research in a certain area. It's undisclosed right now. I hear you. So, that's awesome. Yeah, 41 miles deep. That's that's way off in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, that's cool. And like, uh, one more question for you, and I appreciate you talking. But you also, I mean, you you've been so involved in this. You've written a book. Uh, yeah, I co-authored a book with uh, uh, Dr. John Stamey. It was uh, more kind of like a children's book, and it tells of different people's encounter. It tells about my Indiana encounter. It's uh-huh. called Lizard called Lizard Man, Bigfoot, and Friends. Yeah. Right on. Right on. So you've, uh, that, I mean, like I said, had such a effect on you you said 20 plus years you've been chasing it well that's yep. cool I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh and uh, do you have uh social media if anybody wanted to check you out any further uh beyond the podcast uh yeah you can go ahead and go to uh uh macro mountain empire cryptid research organization on facebook go ahead and join the group and follow along tell of any send me any messages or anything if any encounters and and as I get time, I try and investigate all I can. So that's cool. Do you feel a lot of people are kind of um, uh, shy to, to tell you because they feel like they're crazy if they've seen something like this, or people usually kind of hesitant to to talk to you about it? Uh, well, whenever I do the conferences, that's what I like about the conferences because I really wasn't into the whole conference stuff. But then once I went and I started talking, then people felt relaxed. They could get that off their shoulders. They wouldn't be ridiculed. You know, they wouldn't be made fun of because we all know that the government, the news tried to make a mockery of it. And when it, that's their way of covering it up, actually. Uh, but they, it's why they always try and find these, the biggest hillbilly they can find to put them on the news to make a mockery of it sure. and tell their story. So, but, yeah, a lot of people, whenever they start, you know, you've got all different kinds of people that come to you. You know, I've had pharmacists. I've had doctors. uh had all kinds of people come and want, you know, just to get that off their shoulders, you know, say, hey, you know, I've seen this. I know I can't 
all these other people think I'm nuts, but, you know, you know that they've seen something. You can, and myself having that experience, I can tell how it traumatizes them if they're actually really telling the truth or not. You can see, you can see it, and whenever you talk about it, it's like you relive it. And that wraps up my birthday edition. Happy birthday to me. 37 years old I am. Gray hair and all this week. October 8th, my mother saw fit to keep me and give birth to me, C-section style. God bless that sweet woman. She has put up more with more than her fair share, but she loves me and I'm grateful to her and everybody out there who um, wish me a happy birthday, who just loves me in general, or just enjoys me, or tolerates me. Thank you all. It was a great week. A special thanks to my guest, William Duvall from Alice in Chains. We had comedian Peter Moran. We had Mike Mitchell from Whosoever South. And returning this week on the Yeti's Burg Address, we had Mecro's top researcher, Matthew Delph. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to my little podcast. I truly love it so. If you keep listening to them, guess what? I'm going to keep making them. And if you know anybody that you think would be an awesome guest here on the podcast, have them hit me up at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. And remember, I love you for you and where you're at at this particular juncture in life. Now, God bless you. Have a super de duper week. And I'll see you later on down the line. Toot toot. Don't know why I just did that. Have a good week. Bye.